You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Hi, my name is Connor Burke from Campus Review. Today I spoke with the Business Council of Australia's CEO, Jennifer Westercott. The BCA have released a discussion paper that looks into the future of education in Australia and how that will prepare the workforce for an uncertain future job market. Jennifer, thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. First off, the eye-catching proposal made by the discussion paper is the lifelong skills account for every Australian. Can you explain this? Yeah, well, let's be clear what problem we're trying to solve first. So our concern is that uh, the current uh, subsidy arrangements, loan arrangements between BET and higher education are very distorted. Uh, They force too many people into university study. This is something I hear from university vice-chancellors themselves. And what we're trying to do is to, to create a system, not just with a funding proposal, but with market information, to make sure that people make uh, the right decisions between BET and higher education and there's more of a level playing field between students studying in BET uh, and students studying in university. So that's the kind of starting point. Mm-hmm. So the lifeline learning account would work like this. Uh, for every Australian who's undertaking a BET uh, or university qualification, that is an approved qualification, they would be able to access this uh, lifelong skills account. Uh, they would also be able to access it for the whole of their lives. Uh, they would be able to, once they finish their uh, first qualification, um, assemble through a series of modules um, their own credentials. And this is going to be very important as uh, people have to retrain and upskill as our workforces change. Now, the lifelong skills account would be made up of an income contingent loan and a subsidy, and we want some rigorous analysis in determining the subsidy based on what is the cost of delivering the course and what is the public and private benefit. And of course, the, the, the lifetime skills account uh, would be capped so that we keep control of costs. Um, the second thing that supports the lifetime skills account is market information. Mm-hmm. We're very concerned that, that young people and workers, existing workers in the system are not making informed choices about where they study, what they study, how much the course is going to be, what their loan repayments will be. So we want the lifelong skills account to be balanced with very, very, very different, new, modern uh, market information so people make better choices. So as you say, your Australians will be updating their learning here and there um, instead of undertaking maybe always full-time degrees. How do we encourage employers to place less onus on maybe university degrees and recognise other qualifications? Well, it's a great point because one of the one of the central propositions in our paper is that a, a VEC qualification has to have the same status as a university qualification. And we've got this cultural cringe that's operated in our society that's also been reinforced by the funding arrangements I've just talked about that says a vocational qualification is not the same value as a university one. So our lifelong skills account that puts the money in the hands of the learner will we'll allow employers to, to work with their workforces to say, okay, you need to get module X, module Y, uh, and you can pick a vocational provider or you can pick a university. We'll also encourage both vet providers and universities to rethink the way they package qualifications, which currently, particularly in the university system, are just too long. So, you know, we, we think this will allow employers to sit down with their workforce and say, okay, you know, you need these kinds of modules. And, and what we want to see is much, much more deep engagement between employers, vocational education providers and university providers about the sort of courses that people are going to need to upskill. In your speech, uh, you, you said that the Business Council, they want to create a single tertiary system. 
with a higher emphasis, as you've mentioned, on VET. What does that system look like and how can you achieve it? Well, it's got the kind of key features that, that I've just talked about. A single funding model, which is about you know, funding the learner. The learner picking the provider, the learner picking the course. Second, it's, it's underpinned by vastly better market information. What course do I need to do? Uh, what do I need to study? Where do I need to study? Who's the best provider for that? How much am I going to pay? What's my loan? What am I likely to earn? What are my job prospects? Third is governance. We want to see a single new body created to oversee the setting of the subsidy, to under, underpin the market information, create that market information, and to contract providers so that we deal with some of these rogue providers and get them out of the system. Mm-hmm. So it's got those three elements as, as its centrepiece. And I, I should say very importantly, we're not talking about integrating uh, university and, and vocational education providers. We are talking about a system that allows the student, the learner, to integrate the kind of study they need to do at the right time in their life. You, you mentioned that a figure around 20 billion goes into higher education funding. What, what would you yep. say is the current split between unis and uh, VET and TAFE? Um, at the minute, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, and part of the challenge is how you get that information and, and the, the lack of transparency there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, if that's the case, how do you convince government to potentially reform funding? Well, I think that you've got to sort of talk about the alternatives. I mean, we're going into a rapid transformation of our workforce, and we've got our educational institutions with occupational structures and funding structures that really represent the kind of world we needed to be in twenty years ago. We need a system that is about future looking. So we have to always present to governments, well, what's the kind of counterfactual here? What if we don't do this? Well, we have to accept that we don't know uh, the value of the $20 billion that we're spending, Mm -hmm. uh, that we don't know uh, that people are doing the right courses. And we had a report released in the Sydney Morning Herald yesterday that showed the number of graduates who are leaving university and not being able to get jobs in what they studied for. Uh, So we want, are we happy that students continue to make the, the wrong choices? Are we happy that people in the workforce who need to upskill can't do that, can't get that quickly, can't get the sort of funding model they need? That's how I will be putting this to policymakers. I mean, one of the things we want is we put a discussion paper out, we want to consult, but what we would like to see is a kind of first point is that people don't rule things out, like the, which has become our culture in Australia, to sort of, I don't understand it, it's not really what I would do, therefore I'm going to rule it out. We want people to leave this on the table and uh, to come up with the alternatives, but they have to solve the same problem, which is that we have a bizarre system of incentives that are pushing people into the universities, and that is not sustainable. Uh, when you were creating the paper, did you have any consultation with VET and TAFE or unis or government? We've been talking to VET and, and TAFE providers for years. Uh, We've been talking to universities for years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our concern is to make sure that we've got a fit-for-purpose education system, tertiary system, that is going to deal with the challenges that are going to hit our workplaces through robotics, artificial intelligence, massive transformation in supply chains. Australia needs to get out ahead of this. We're behind on it. Uh, We've got great institutions. We should be really proud of them. We've let vets fall away. We've let tapes fall away. We need to make sure we reinstate their status and get a tertiary system that covers both those systems but puts the funding in the hand of the learner and is much more nimble, much more agile and much more able to cope with the needs of a modern workforce. 
Have you had any feedback thus far after yesterday's speech? I've had terrific feedback from uh, from TAFE providers. Um, some uh, vice-chancellors have rung me saying this is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. What's really great, though, is the feedback from the general public. You know, And they all can relate to this. They've all got a kid who's studying in university, who's dropped out and hasn't worked for them. They all feel that, uh, you know, there's so many people who ring in on, on Talkback Radio saying, look, you know, my kid's in that position. They went to university. It was wrong for them. They needed to go to a vocational provider. Uh, a lot of people who are very fearful about the kind of failing of our apprenticeship system. Yeah, so lots of positive feedback. I, you know, we're disappointed with the feedback from Universities Australia. Yeah, I was going uh, to mention. You know, uh, you know, I mean, they've, they've, they've criticised every plan that every government has had. Uh, you know, it's all very well to sort of protect your sector, but, you know, do you really want to preside over the failing of the other one? And do you really want to preside over, con- over the continuation of blurred responsibilities, uh, of, of people with the wrong incentives, of a university system that's not sustainable, in their own words, it's not sustainable. So, you know, if they're going to be critical of this plan, let's, what's the alternative? Let's see one from them. Are they worried about loss of funding? Well, of course they would be worried about that. And I, I'm sympathetic to their issues about funding because, they, you know, every budget there's another hit to universities, some of them without rhyme or reason. But that's not a reason for not actually staring down the fact that we've got a structural problem here. And just protecting one sector at the expense of the other, just protecting one sector at the expense of solving the problem, just protecting one sector at the expense of the actual people who are learning and, and, and are going to need this for their, for their jobs. I'm not sure that's the answer to that. Okay. In your speech, you also said that you want to empower and support teachers. I mean, what do you have in mind? Yeah. What does that include? Well, look, there's lots of things we can do there. One of the things that we've talked about is at the moment, we don't really have... Uh, a national set of standards about teacher quality and and everyone uh, has come to the point I think of saying this is really what matters how do we get the best teachers with the best teaching styles with the the most up-to-date teaching capabilities and how do we keep them as teachers and at the moment uh, most teachers kind of level out and then in order to get a pay rise they have to go into administration or become a principal Mm -hmm. well that means some of our best teachers are going into the wrong pathway one of the things we proposed yesterday was that we get a national index of standards so that we can look across the country and say, where are we on teacher quality and what do state governments and education departments need to do about it? And secondly, why don't we look at a pay structure that's based on standards, based on teaching excellence, based on people attaining a set of standards? And I need to be very clear here. I'm not talking about performance pay. I'm talking about keeping the best teachers uh, in the system as teachers. Do you see programs such as Teach for Australia becoming more prevalent in order to attract the best candidates for teaching? It's a terrific program. It's a terrific program. But it's not a substitute for getting the teaching profession right and for valuing our teachers, rewarding them and giving them the sorts of rewards that keep them as the best teachers. Um, How much did your time as Secretary of Education for Victoria inform your, you know, the views laid out in the council's paper? Oh, a lot of it. But, but I'll be honest with you, um, you know, my recent sort of kind of experience as the Business Council Chief Executive, where I'm seeing employers who keep telling me they're getting graduates who are not work ready, uh, that they need more of the technical people. When I talk to come, some of the world's uh, most uh, prominent business leaders, and they all say to me, it will be our vocational system that will underpin whether we succeed or fail in this big transition that's underway in our economy. Those things have really influenced my opinion. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks.